Hello and welcome to For What It's Earth podcast, your favourite climate change, environment and sustainability podcast. It better be your favourite. Your hosts, as always, are your favourite people. Um, You have uh, Emma Brizian. (laughs) Hello. And we've got Lloyd Hopkins. Oh, thank you. Uh, Is that that the first time we've actually introduced each other with our full names? That felt very formal. Yeah, I just thought it felt right. Cause I, I We're just... getting serious this time, listeners. Well, it's just recognition, isn't it, for our professional profiles? That's true, that's true. You're about to put it on your LinkedIn, aren't you? It's already <laughs> on my LinkedIn. If there are any employers listening, <laughs> hello. Lloyd would really like a job. Um... <laughs> yeah, I would, please. Um, <laughs> what are we talking about today, Emma? We're not here to get you a job, I'm afraid. We're here to talk about rivers and river pollution and why we need to care about our rivers. I do like rivers. It's quite an interesting topic, actually, because this is something we haven't covered before, is it? We've we've done quite a lot of marine-based things, mm. topics, but we haven't covered fresh water, from my knowledge, apart from um, flooding, which I suppose has a bit of a bit of an overlap. But um, yeah, it's quite a big topic, actually. So I think, actually, because it's such a big topic, uh, what we're planning on doing is having this episode to talk through ourselves and then we're going to get a special guest uh, for you later down the line in a couple of weeks we're going to be diving into rivers some more double rivers double rivers all the way across the basin no i've really enjoyed researching this one actually my favorite hobby is kayaking so i really liked the excuse to learn a lot more about the environment that i try and find myself in slash on because i don't tend to go in the river quite so, so much. purely selfish from your point of view <laughs> oh yeah it's this, completely this yeah <laughs> uh, right talking about being selfish and not being selfish and stuff what one good thing have you done this week lloyd i've ordered uh one of those um refillable deodorant sticks oh okay oh i've um, seen i've seen those because my yeah well i feel it's it's something everyone's been getting on their facebook feeds lately i think they've done a lot of uh, facebook ad pushing they've they are um, spamming my Instagram. I'll tell you that right and, now. And I'm I'm a sucker for for social media adverts. So I was like, I'm just I'm going to try it. You're every marketer's dream. So yeah, I'll I'll report back when I have some information on how. Oh, very nice. How good it is. I, I'm I'm pretty sure it's like you get the plastic body the first time, and then after that they send you the just the stick to replace it. Sounds good. Sounds much better than a new roll on every every deodorant cycle, I suppose. What about yourself? What have you been? Uh, doing that's good good for the planet good for us i mean a bit like you mine's in a halfway stage because as if i planned it although i I didn't um mine's kind of themed this week with the right topic so i have ordered a water blitz uh water quality testing kit from the bristol avon rivers trust uh, so that i can participate in their water quality surveys along the river avon while i'm next out on my kayak um but it's been raining a lot, so I haven't actually been out for a, for a bit. <laughs> so what, what does a test, what does the kit look like? Do you put it on a stick? Do you just like hold it off the side as you're yeah, walking along? I, imagine a fishing rod and you just fling it as far. No, they're these tiny little, <laughs> you, you have like a tiny little sample pot. You just fill up with some water uh, and then you can dip in uh, dipsticks, which will tell you about how many nitrates and phosphates it has 
in that particular sample and then you can match it up again it turns different colors basically depending on like how much is in the sample and then you send your information back to the rivers trust and then if enough people do it it's a, it's a good citizen science project basically and if enough people do it they start to get a really good picture of what water quality is looking like all the way along the catchment so you can work out maybe if there are areas which have got more pollution in than others and try and work out what it is that's causing that and get to the root cause very good so eventually where, i'll do that <laughs> and where do people go to get those just google the bristol avon rivers trust if you live around bristol or bath nice. or kind of the avon catchment i think there's a thames one as well um but there's, there's quite a lot of them going on so give it a go if you find yourself near your river quite often Oh my word, we've, we've managed to do a um, what can you do segment before we've actually introduced the topic. Yeah, that's it. Thanks for listening to this episode. <laughs> yeah, off, off, off we go. Rivers. Okay, right, yeah, let's let's start with rivers. Um, there was actually a news article recently that kind of got us thinking about rivers, wasn't it? Yes, it was one in the, um, well, I, I saw it in The Guardian. I, I'm assuming we're talking about the same one here and we haven't just seen different articles and we're going to show ourselves up. But it's um, the, 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 the one, one that about, we sent to each other and the discussed. one that we sent to each other, yes, that one, um, where the head of the environment agency sort of made some maybe controversial comments uh, recently that um, well, suggesting that we might relax some waterways regulation uh, post post Brexit. So I think the gist of it was that currently rivers uh, in the UK are subject to the water was it that the water it's the eu's water framework directive thank you the water framework directive <laughs> thank you very much someone obviously read it better than i did um which judges the quality of rivers on four different metrics mm. and it's required that the river passes um in in, in air quotes that you can't can't see on the podcast obviously um <laughs> passes all four of these tests in order to be rated as good mm. or above presumably i can't remember what the exact rating scale was um and the head of the environment agency was suggesting that these regulations may not truly reflect some rivers um in that if it doesn't pass one of those three if it's if it's good in those, if three of those categories and it doesn't pass the fourth then it's not rated as good. And he was suggesting that maybe that's unfair um, and perhaps stops um, us improving rivers in a meaningful way that maybe we end up focusing on the wrong um, requirement and also suggesting that um, in some urban areas, for example, you're never going to get all, all four rated as good. When you put it like that, it sounds reasonable, but it's um, come into a lot of fire, a lot of criticism. Mm. Uh, for example, surface against sewage. Um, a lot of people suggesting that that's actually just watering down regulation in favour of business um, and cutting through red tape and making it easier for mm. for polluters. Um, because arguably the Water Frameworks Directive, from what I understand, has improved river quality in the UK and around Europe substantially. So a mm. lot of people f very fairly are saying, well, why would we relax that just so we can give ourselves a pat on the back? Yeah, I think it was like 14% of English rivers were assessed as good under this directive 14 percent is pretty low um which means yeah, that even if we'll you... be challenging more into it but if we switch to this new version that was potentially being proposed or discussed that would rock it to more like 70 percent so i think there was some skepticism around are we just changing the framework to make our stats look better or are we really genuinely caring about rivers which i just thought was quite interesting yeah exactly so yeah that, that was a story that sort of got us thinking more about rivers 
So, I mean, I'll start from the top, I suppose. Uh, why, why are rivers important? Yeah, I mean, if you go back to our water scarcity episode, we talk about actually like how little fresh water there is in the world and that is actually available for us to use. Like 2.5% of uh, the water on the planet is fresh water and only like less than 1% of that is accessible for our use. Um, Which, of but, course, everyone will remember from, um, from that episode. Yeah. I'm sure. Go, go back and listen to it. Um, <laughs> but like, there's loads of reasons that we need rivers to be in good health. It's not just like, oh, like, they look nice, you know, in the summer. Um, but they support a huge amount of biodiversity when they're healthy. And when they're unhealthy, they can cause ecosystem collapse. So, of course, you've obviously got fish in it and insects that live in it or above it, depending on what stage they're at of their life cycle. You've got loads of aquatic invertebrates. But then above that, you've also got everything that relies on that. So you've got birds, which will eat the insects. If you pollute the water, then you'll lose everything that lives in the water, but you'll also lose things that live above water that rely on that water being not contaminated. Yeah, I mean, in terms of um, wildlife in, in rivers, uh, I was reading another article where it said that um, around the world as a whole, um, migratory fish populations, so those that... Um, swim upstream move up and down rivers but also yeah swim upstream from the sea for example uh, move you can't see that listeners but i just did a little mimic of it was glorious i really upstream. wish I'd, I'd be recording this call um maybe it's gonna be like some bonus mad. instagram content or something <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah migratory fish populations worldwide have been de- have declined 76 percent since 1970 so in the last 50 years it's declined by 76 percent which is even bigger if you look at just Europe alone, in just Europe alone, it's 93% decline in these species. So when I'm talking about migratory fish, I'm talking about salmon, trout, catfish, um, which are vital to the ecosystems in the rivers. But also um, a very good point was raised that they're vital to the ecosystems around the rivers. So um, perhaps not so much, well, I was about to say not so much in the UK, but I was thinking um, like bears and wolves, uh, I don't know, like North America, uh, mm. will obviously be relying on these fish. They bring nutrients from the sea that otherwise wouldn't be there. But in the UK, we're going to get uh, bird populations, as you say, relying on them. Other fish um, further upstream. Yeah, so they're critical to food chains. Um, and quite a big driver of this decline in migratory fish is apparently due to, uh, well, a combination of things. So dams, overfishing, climate crisis, uh, pollution. Uh, the dams one was quite an interesting one because we, it, it might be fairly intuitive that um, dams stop rivers, so they're interrupting uh, wildlife, especially migratory species that travel up and down the rivers. But there's also hundreds and hundreds, well, thousands of small culverts, uh, very tiny structures, man-made structures that interrupt a lot of UK rivers. Well, worldwide as well. Mm. But apparently uh, one study, which is actually from Swansea, so go Swansea. Oh, nice. Uh, 97% of the UK's river network has been interrupted by human-built structures. Gosh, that's a lot. And actually only a third of the world's great rivers uh, remain free-flowing. Wow. Uh, there's In Great Britain as well, uh, more facts for you. Numbers, 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 numbers. At least there's at least one artificial barrier every one and a half kilometers of stream in Great Britain. Yes, I will. I'll back that as a kayaker. I feel like I'm constantly you navigating. Have to get out and hop. Yeah, there's, there's. You have to plan stretches which have the least kind of weirs or locks in. You just go, go straight over the top. Oh no, I get soaked. I I I sit at the front of the kayak. So we've got double kayak. So if I'm going over a weir, 
the nose goes straight in. I would get absolutely soaked if I went over. So no, we're, um, <laughs> we're, we'll get out, we'll carry it, <laughs> and we'll put it back in. But um, you can't do that if you're fish or things that are living in rivers necessarily. So, but there's now more awareness that these uh, quite often redundant structures actually a lot of these are built and then forgotten about for, for years and just left there because everyone's like oh what's the harm but if, if you get rid of them uh, quite often fish populations will bounce back and bounce back faster than you might expect apparently ah excellent but, I mean moving on just from the ecological as well oh, the rivers are so flipping important <laughs> I mean first of all you've got to consider that most of uh, human settlements are based around the river at some point we need fresh we water need sources fresh water whether that's the drink whether that's transport <laughs> food man we food. rely on fishing. water for food no not just fishing our crops are dependent on fresh water sources very good point not just in the uk where we get tons of rain but all over the world everywhere needs fresh water sources so i think rice is like accounts for about 20% of the global calorie intake, 20%, and it grows exclusively in freshwater wetland. Livelihoods such as fishing, a lot of uh, people rely on the rivers um, mm -hmm. for fishing. Um, and also, you know what, well-being, like we've been discussed in quite a few episodes uh, mm. recently, for example, talking about um, uh, people getting out during pandemic lockdowns in, into the environment. And, and like you said, your, your hobby is kayaking. Um, think of the people that paddleboard, who swim, um, do all sorts of things in the river. Things um, in the river. Things in the river. <laughs> yeah, wild swimming in particular has seen a huge rise in interest uh, in the UK this summer. I read somewhere. Yes, yeah, I've been meaning to do some uh, cold water swims lately, but um, haven't been getting up early enough. Um, <laughs> but the thing about rivers, um, it they are in amongst it, I suppose. They are right at the centre of all these different pressures. Whether So we'll be talking about some of them. So uh, agriculture, um, urban growth and population, climate crisis, uh, all, all sorts of things. It's, it's, it's so... A river will be bordered by people, by agriculture, by all these things. And it's under pressure in the same way that other environments are, but perhaps not so immediately and with no respite, perhaps. But also the thing with rivers is I don't think they, they don't get as much um, they don't get as much press, do they? They're not, you know they're not your sexy marine habitats like you said they're not a rainforest. They're super important, but we don't see we don't see them on the news. We don't see people shouting about them, campaigning about them. But actually, maybe we should. Actually, to be fair, we've seen a lot more campaigning in recent weeks because of uh, some of the nasty things that are making their way into our rivers, which actually might put you off. Um, embracing wild swimming oh no go on pee and poo basically oh, no. sewage untreated sewage uh making its way into our freshwater habitats in the uk so basically how this works is water companies and sewage companies are allowed to release untreated sewage when mixed with rainwater into rivers in times of heavy rain to, to, to basically stop uh, the sewer system completely overflowing and bursting um, because our sewer system was built when there were less of us around. The population has grown and our sewer system is effectively too small for the waste that we are trying to get rid of. So in heavy rain, they will dump un untreated sewage into pretty much all of the rivers in the UK, which is pretty grim. And this is, you know, this is regulated, apparently, you know, it's, um, it's legal, 
companies have permits to do this. But The Guardian uncovered kind of the extent to which they do this um, recently. So they found that in 2019, 1.5 million hours worth of raw sewage being released uh, was was let out via storm outflows into rivers in the UK, uh, which is the equivalent of 204,000 discharges, which sounds oh. vile. Graphic. And that is a lot. That is a lot. And but that's that was you know technically legal. Well, I, I was reading. Um, I'm pretty sure I read the exact same article as you. Actually, I was reading um, that when a company has more than sixty discharges, um, I never want to use that word again after this episode. No. Uh, di- dis- discharges in a year. Um, <gasps> it's supposed to be investigated by the Environment Agency, but the Environment Agency relies on the water companies to self-monitor this and report to them. Oh come on. Come on! But They're obviously, not do the, the, this. The, the sheer number of um, <laughs> discharges uh, suggests that that's clearly not happening. <laughs> oh, and it's not just the thing is it's it's basically anything that goes down the toilet that can come out in the rivers because it's untreated. So it's not just pee, poo, and paper, which are the only three things that should be going uh, down the toilet. But I watched a, um, a a news piece with a man that was an underwater cameraman in a river, oh, no. and he happened to be there after a storm, and he said he came out just covered in sanitary towels, condoms, oh. and face wipes. And I just, oh my God. Imagine that poor man being like, coming home, all right, love, how was your day at work? Mate, don't talk to me. What a horrible, horrible way to have started his day. And imagine, at least he could get out of the river and go and have a wash. Anything that lives in the river is stuck with these things floating downstream. Yeah, well, I mean, literally, um, uh, it's a slightly different pollution, but uh, literally just this month, that's August, uh, August 2020, <laughs> for those who don't know what month it is, um, <laughs> there was a pollution incident, which is still being investigated at the time of recording, Um in, in Wales in a tributary of the River Wye and, and literally within well uh, a local reported that in the afternoon the river was nice and clear and then literally by the evening it was um, smelling of chlorine it was um, thick with colour and hundreds of fish died there were crayfish apparently trying to escape the water climbing onto, onto the rocks um, there were eels just dead on the riverbank um, it can happen quickly and the ecological consequences happen fast Mm. No, it's awful. It's, I mean, good goodness knows what was released there. Um, but it's not just um, it's not just human effluent, which is a threat to our rivers, is it? We've also got to have a look at the kind of effluent that runs off of our agriculture. Yes, um, and and that does actually include livestock fecal bacteria. Apparently, um, is mm. one. Um, discharge from agriculture oh, um, we've got to but... stop saying that word <laughs> <laughs> so 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 with, with agriculture uh, the environment agency says that um uh, around 70 percent of land in england alone is used for agriculture and actually agriculture is one of the most significant influences on water quality and water dependent ecosystems um it accounts for 75 percent of the sediment uh pollutants that get washed into rivers uh, 75% of the pesticide pollutants um, and around 30% of uh, things like phosphates um, and nitrates that get washed in which uh, are a problem when they run off into rivers because you mm. get uh, eutrophication eutri- 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 nicely done <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll, we'll cut that out and make it shorter um, so eutrophication is where like yeah as you said nutrients normally mean good it means growth you put them on fields to encourage uh, 
growth of plants that you would like to grow. But they have the same effect when they get into our rivers, but often to their detriment. So having all of this this high influx of nutrients, these nitrates and phosphates, means that algae can grow and grow very quickly. Um, and if you get too much algal growth, I mean, some of them will produce toxins anyway themselves in their own growth, which are damaging to, to anything that uh, drinks the water. Um, and can even get into our human water supplies. Um, but also, if they're growing in that big a number, they'll kind of cover over the entire surface of the water. Um, they can stop light getting into other plants that would need to be growing in the water and would normally help improve water quality. And as the algae dies, it creates uh, like an anoxic environment. It removes all of the oxygen from the water, which makes it the perfect breeding ground for nasty bacteria, which also kill fish, kill things that live in the river, and make the water poisonous to drink. So all Could in all, not have said it better myself. Thank you. <laughs> algae is bad when it grows in massive quantities. Yes. In rivers. And it's, it's usually just the sheer load of those nutrients coming into the rivers. And that's mm. not, I uh, say nothing of agriculture runoff that includes things like medicines that might be used for, for livestock. Um, the pesticides, of course. Um Soil sediments as well that get disturbed through farming activities. Microplastics mm. as well, um, of course, to, to revisit oh, an old, old, old menace. Plastic yeah. pollution. Yeah, loads of it in rivers. That's another thing. Yeah. Actually, I read an, uh, quite a, a sour looking article looking at how like farming sewage and farming waste finds its way into rivers. Some of the Welsh government found that farmers were deliberately spreading like effluent um, on fields on their properties um, just before heavy rains because they either couldn't didn't have enough room to store it all or couldn't be bothered to dispose of it properly. So by spreading it on the fields, they knew that it would get washed away. So, you know, uh, problem solved for them. Yeah, I not, was reading Not that, so good for nature. I was reading that um, the Environment Agency estimated the storage capacity for slurry that agriculture in the UK is supposed to have because it's like a minimum amount that farms are supposed to have. Uh, to store this slurry so it doesn't get washed away. And they found that it's it's lacking by at least 50%, like the storage to what's actually produced. So you can draw inference from there about where it's actually going. Mm. Mm. Agriculture will also take in water, as we said, to use on, on crops, etc., and to um, hydrate livestock. And to hydrate. To hydrate them. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is called abstracting, apparently, when you take water from a mm. natural water source. And oh, look, someone's done his research. Someone's read Smoky a dictionary. Smoky found a nice new word. <laughs> Ooh, words. Part of this abstraction can compound river stress even more because, as you might expect, they take more water during hot, dry months to go on crops. And that's the time when the river's already running quite mm. low. It's not, not just for crops as well, it's for human consumption. Water companies will draw on aquifers uh, and groundwater sources and... Until recently, there hasn't been a great deal of regulation. Um, so a lot of smaller rivers will be essentially sucked dry because water companies are just pulling from different catchments and not really, they're not always, they basically weren't always regulated based on like normal river flow and how much rainwater would come every year. So I actually met a guy um, who fought to save the River Pang. I bet you didn't know there was a river called the River Pang. Well, neither did I. <laughs> Where, where is it? In Pangbourne. Uh, it's near Reading. Feeds into the Greater River Ping. 
<laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, but they had they had they they had that problem. It was a really small river, um, but it was you know it was quite full of fish. It was quite biodiverse, and it went through the village. And um, Thames water just sucked all the water out of the chalk surrounding it. And essentially killed this river for long periods of time uh, until the environment agency got involved. Once the locals had kind of petitioned them to say, "This is insane! Your your this river is dead." Um, so then they had mm. to put um, and started looking at different kind of uh, quantities, maximums that could be drawn from different water sources. Because it's all very well and good being like, "Oh, we're just pulling it out of the ground," but yeah. you're not just pulling it out of the ground. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in terms of thinking in terms of the wider water table and not just specific rivers, which is like the, almost the manifestation of, of the water table, isn't mm. it? I, I was reading in that Environment uh, Agency report that for nitrates to quite often to fully run off can, can take 30, 60 years oh my God. Um, to actually reach um, the water, uh, d- depending on, on where it was spread in the first place. So actually, we're going to see we're going to continue to see a big increase because of uh, peak nitrate use. I think it was around the the eighties. Oh God! Which is is only just making its way to the river now. And and a complete sidebar. Another interesting thing <laughs> from that report was was it specifically mentioned the the water use by alpaca farms? Oh, okay, right. I I, I didn't realize that was that big of an issue, Yeesh. but it, it got specifically named. Do we have many of those so. in the UK? I, th- I think we do. You know, there's there's one not too far from me um, in Swansea. Uh, they they like I think alpaca wool is quite oh, okay useful because they're they're quite hardy. They'll they'll live in quite a few places. Um, yeah, I think I suppose they're quite a tourist attraction as well, aren't they? I think a lot of people will go and yes, you, you can you can pay alpaca. to go and pet them as well. Ah, can pay nice. to go pet them. So listen, Lloyd, what can we do? What can we do to save our rivers? Bum, bum, bum. Bum, 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 bum. Well, it's quite important to realise that management of rivers does work and it can have a, a tangible a tangible effect. So when I was talking earlier about the migratory fish populations, for example, mm. um, it's been shown that rivers, within that number, the rivers that had management plans saw around a 54% loss compared to... Um, around an 87% loss when unmanaged. So you still get a loss, but that's still quite a big reduction just just through some level of management, mm. um, which hopefully going forward, people we can couple with actual, actual efforts to change. Um, and, and there are some success stories. So there was, uh, I was reading about a restoration project in, in uh, Maine, in the US, mm. the river P- Penderscot. Ah, what a name. Penderscot River. If you're from Maine... Please write in, or don't D- don't write in if you're from Maine. Uh, <laughs> so, a, a restoration project in, in that river saw herring numbers increase from a couple of hundred to to over two million a year. Oh wow! Huge, Blimey. huge increase. You can't fight those numbers. No, no numbers. Number, la, la, la. <laughs> numbers. Do you know what I was? I was actually I was thinking. My brain was elsewhere. Um, we've got an episode coming up on beavers, uh, and I was just thinking about how good beavers are for rivers. But I'm not going to say any of those facts. I'm going to save it for our beaver episode. Save it for the beavers. Um, right. And I was also reading about a partnership, for example, between the WWF, uh, the Rivers Trust, and also Coca-Cola. It's always nice to see. Ooh industry collaboration especially when a company as big as coca-cola which obviously needs vitally needs water mm. uh for for its products 
they they partnerships because I don't realize Coca Cola's got this replenishment goal where they're aiming to return to communities and nature the same amount of water they use in their drink production. Mm. Uh, I, 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 it would be nice to do some digging into that, see how, how well they're doing. But they are this they is are my skeptical with, face. Yeah, I, I can see it. Mm. They have partnered with WWF, <laughs> for example, uh, working in uh, East Anglia in England. Okay. To to reduce farming impact on fresh water, so um, quite interesting ways like offbeat ways in some instances it's like modifying tractor wheels to to reduce soil erosion uh, and to use something called cover crops to reduce the runoff and nutrient um leaching which is presumably crops around your mm. main crop that just stop all this runoff directly into rivers like there's a few i mean there's a few things it's all well and good obviously it's great that coca-cola and big companies are starting to to do things um but you know there's a few bits we can do as individuals at home you know we like to bring it back to what can we do at home. Um, that's our bread and butter. <laughs> so we that's, that's what we're yeah, here for. Yeah. So we've talked about reducing your water consumption. That's always good. Go back and listen to was it water scarcity that episode um, for more tips on that. But that will reduce the pressure on the water companies that are um, sucking up all the water from groundwater aquifers. Yeah. So that's always which, good. I, from what I remember, tips like uh, trying to store water butts in your home for for use on on gardens. Uh, I, th- I just remember one tip about putting, like, filling a plastic bottle with water and putting that in in the um, in the cistern of your toilet. In the cistern of your toilet, so that less water gets used in a flush. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm an advocate for you don't always need to flush if you've only gone for a wee. But mm-hmm. if you share a mm-hmm. house with someone, they might not be so pleased. So discuss that with your housemates or partner before implementing that strategy. Um, but talking of flushing, like only flush things that are people and paper. That's the, the general rule because it will end up in places that it shouldn't be is one of the things. But you can also, if you're looking at cleaning products and things um both like household cleaning products when you're physically cleaning your surfaces, um, but also your washing detergents and things like that. You can make the switch from very chemical heavy products to uh, alternatives because they will more than likely end up in our rivers. And also it's probably quite important to remember that the drains on the street are very different to the drains in your home. Mm. So the drains in the street um, and presumably sometimes people's gardens so make, make sure you know where they're going <laughs> uh, uh storm drains those won't be treated before they run off somewhere whereas the ones in your home such as down the sink will go to treatment plants where they're only treated if there's not a high rain forecast <laughs> yes <laughs> lovely um, but it's still better to take the chance that they're going to be treated um, oh definitely yeah <laughs> definitely yeah um of course you can reduce your own like don't litter guys that probably end up in the rivers there's loads of plastic pollution in the rivers um but you can also if you were thinking of like lloyd taking up wild swimming the rivers trust have created an interactive map of the uk and all the rivers uh, so you can have a look at how polluted they think they are and whether it would be a good idea to swim or not yeah it's a really cool map good. actually i mm. was going through it and it, it tells you the, the quality of the water and then also um the quality of the the fish stocks as well interesting which is very nice yeah yes other than that you can get a a a water testing kit such as as, uh, emma has already discussed i'll drop a link and i'll probably post a picture of it as i do it when i get around to it on the instagram so you can go follow us there um and also here's a fun one we've said this before for different reasons but support organic farmers because they're not using a lot of the things that will run off into the rivers an excellent point I think we've meandered on enough. 
Oh. Did you get it? Rivers. <laughs> I think that's probably probably <laughs> the end of the episode. Um, We've reached the sea, everyone. <laughs> thanks, thanks for journeying with us um, all the way <laughs> from from the source. source to sea of river <laughs> pollution in the UK. I think we're going a bit mad, you know. I think we're I think we're both a bit tired today. Um, okay, Oxbows. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. Yeah, we've confirmed it. Uh, We're both a bit too tired um, today. We're both getting a bit mad. Right, let's wrap it up. Yes. So as we mentioned before, this is a really broad topic. Uh, so we've just scratched the surface. Have you got anything you would like us to talk about in, re- in regards to rivers? Or I suppose anything else besides? Then get in touch with us because we'll almost certainly revisit this topic. Well, we will we'll revisit this topic uh, with an interview in a couple of weeks. And maybe even beyond. So get in touch with us. Let us know your experiences on rivers uh, and, and anything else interesting that crops into your your brains definitely and in the meantime make sure you're subscribed go and tell a friend how fantastic we are make sure they subscribe too and um i mean you know if you fancy it leave us a nice review that'd be great no it would actually be great because yeah please do <laughs> actually it means that people actually find the podcast um which is always great uh, but until next time, Lloyd, you know what I'm going to ask you? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one day you'll learn the social media handles. You can find us on Instagram. At What Earth Pod. Nope, that's Twitter. Okay. So you can find us on Twitter at What Earth Pod. Uh, <laughs> Instagram is uh, For What It's Earth Podcast. Yes, excellent. And so is Facebook. Yes, brilliant. And you can and drop then... us an email at forwhatitsearthpod at gmail.com. I was going to say that one. I, I knew that one. Oh, okay. All right. You've learned. You've learned three out of four. That was all right. Yep. Well done. And as always, just our little disclaimer: everything that we've said here today and in all episodes, past and future, um, are our own views. They are nothing to do with anyone that we work for or are yeah. associated with. So, if you've got a problem, shout at us. No one else can take credit. Always. <laughs> it's all our work. Great. Okay. See you next week. Bye. Ding, 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 ding. Mm-hmm.